Jesus' powerful imagery is hard to miss in the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, but is there something more hiding in plain sight? Let's get to it. This is Christianity in Action, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Albany, Georgia. For more info, visit 1stpresalbany.org. So J.D. Sumner here with Joshua Bauer, uh, here for the uh, Christianity in Action podcast, talking a little bit about uh, Scripture and a little bit about the world and uh, things that are going on. So how are you doing today, Josh? <laughs> How's anybody doing today? It's crazy. Uh, I think like a lot of folks, um, I mean, we've, uh, I keep saying, and I try to say to myself, but I say to other people all the time, We've never done this before. We have never done anything like this before. And of course, by this, I mean live through a pandemic and survive through a pandemic and social distancing and all this sort of thing, um, becoming homeschool parents overnight and and then reaffirming how you are definitely not called to be homeschool parents long term. <laughs> and at the same time that every, a lot of folks, even if you're home, uh, quote unquote, you know, working from home, you're working full time on top of everything else. And there's this, and of course, then the underlying stress just always of what is going on? You know, how long does it last? How do we get through it? How do we protect ourselves? How do we protect others? So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty stressed out, a little tired, um, a little afraid, but, um, but keeping the faith, keeping, keeping rolling. That's what it's about. And, uh, you know, just trying to keep a positive mind frame. I, I told myself several times today, my favorite scripture, I think, is the be still and know that I am God. Mm-hmm. Um, just realizing that uh, worry, just like the book says, it's not going to add a minute to my life. So why get caught up in it? I mean, there's there's a thin line between awareness and being anxious and worrisome and, and whatnot. Um and so it's it's just an interesting line to have to walk these days when you're thinking about all the different things that are happening and, and whatnot. It's, it's anxiety. It is. And I, I would encourage you, and as I'm trying to remind myself, and I'm saying this because last night I, I'm trying to finish our taxes too. Wow. <laughs> like that's still happening, right? Um, and got them all figured out, and then one little thing went wrong, and I just completely barked at my wife, you know, up one side, down the other. And um, and so to, to be gentle and show each other grace, too, because there is no no way to perfectly not worry or to, you know, keep the balance. I mean, things are going to get out of whack, and um, and that's okay. It's, it's being able to—I've to, uh, never been a person who meditates particularly well— um, but the, the, the people who do say you got to keep, you know, coming back to the breath, coming back to center. Um, you know, I think of those bad YouTube videos, namaste, you know, you got to, <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're going to get off kilter. We're going to get off center. It's just the ability to kind of come back um, and remember who we are and refocus over and over and over again and readjust because this changes every single day. It, it's insane, but it does. So let's take a minute to talk a little bit about what you've been working on this week. Sure. Um, and what, kind of give a taste of what's going to happen on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you plan on bringing uh, to our second live streaming Sunday extravaganza? Yeah. <laughs> a sermon. Uh, I plan on doing that. 
Um, and I wrote it yesterday, so this is, um, you, get, you get the thoughts post the, the sermon writing process. Yeah, so we're talking about, and we did the, the live stream uh, Bible study, which really was kind of a, a sermonette on Wednesday. But um, talking about Jesus, or we're walking through Mark still, that hasn't changed. Um, COVID-19 has not changed that plan. So moving through Mark's gospel, and he's still, this is post-triumphal entry, post uh, what we know as Palm Sunday in the church material. So now he's in this conflict with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, at the same time that he's kind of rallying his followers, and things are getting extremely tense in Mark's gospel. And this is the context where he gives in, in Mark 13 these teachings about what we would call about the end times, you know, or what we typically think of the end times. And that's one of the things I think that maybe we've gotten wrong about it, which is what I'm going to talk a little bit about on Sunday, that um, but he's preparing his disciples for what's going to happen when he's gone. And... Um, and it's, it's heavy stuff. It, it, but this is where we get lines that we are familiar with if we're church people, like when you hear of wars and rumors of wars and uh, all these sorts of things. And so, um, yeah, and he, he says for, for uh, I think the first time in Mark's gospel, the, the reading that comes from Daniel 7, you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. That's the first time he says it, and he says it again when he's on trial. And so themes that we start to see and start to pick up that'll be post-resurrection, you know, after Easter. But he's trying to prepare his disciples. Like, this is what's coming, uh, guys, so be ready for it. So there's a lot of really powerful imagery in in these couple of sections of Mark. Um, it's interesting because, and you've said this before, it seems like there's a, especially in Mark's gospel, a, a race to get to this point um, in the story. And then it's like ultimate slowdown and every little detail starts to come out and just pop with this really beautiful imagery, but also oddly terrifying imagery in some ways. Um, as you read through the scripture again, um, given your experience, but also just as a person, what stands out to you? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. It's a really hard question. I think it's hard for, for, for me, and I think it's hard for us being Christians and also Christians who are reading this, and it's been filtered through decades and centuries of Christian thinking about these things. Um, and, and I can say Christian apocalyptic thinking, like the, you know, the, this is about the apocalypse. Somebody posted on Facebook one of the things that's been good and posted on Facebook a reminder that that Greek word apocalypse, it, it doesn't mean the end of things. It literally means revealing. So it's it's kind of pulling back the veil, pulling back the curtain so you can see things as they really are. And um, so part of it, I think, I think some of this freaks us out because we've been viewing this through all the stuff that is to come and how scary it is and how bad it's going to be. Um, but a lot of this is kind of stock Jewish imagery for, you know... Um, for, for this kind of speech. So Jesus is using images that his audience would have picked up on immediately. Images from Isaiah 13, um, I think Isaiah chapter 10, from the book of Daniel, from other places where they would clue right in and say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of those passages are about times, one of them is when the Babylonian Empire fell and things just, all hell was breaking loose um, and these sorts of things, just to give people kind of that ear pull, like, this is what I'm talking about. This is what it's going to be like. Um, things are, are real. You know, there's going to be this real conflict, those sorts of things. Um, but the thing that, that grabbed me again is that what I said Wednesday night, that do not be alarmed, that that is there, but 
in all the imagery, it's so easy to miss it. That it's only four words, and it comes right after. He says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. These things have to happen. And then he just zooms on, and the chapter gets, like, you know, darker and darker and more chaotic. And by the end of it, you've almost forgotten that he said, do not be alarmed toward the beginning of it. Um, and so and that for me is that that's that coming back, that recentering, like, oh, yeah, wait a second. Um, we're going to be OK. We're going to be OK. And kind of reminding through this whole thing, because the disciples were for, you know, a lot of them not going to be OK for a long time um, after he his death and resurrection. Right. I, th- I think in some ways it's a it's a preparatory uh, or a prelude to um, the toils and struggles that that you're going to face and i think it's a it's a good reminder that um life is hard and Mm -hmm. not that we necessarily need that reminder but that um even as far back as when he was originally speaking these words people knew um a a different kind of struggle you know there was persecution and then there's there's persecution as we know it today Mm -hmm. and in our country in the united states and then there's persecution you know, right. um, generally we don't literally crucify people when we disagree with them. Although it seems like that sometimes on social media, yeah. um, I, I found it kind of comforting to be reminded that there's a permanence and a permanent balance between this, this war going on between challenges and struggle, but also a human's a remarkable ability with God's grace to overcome that. Mm-hmm. And to ultimately have the final say on on what's coming. So there's there's hope. There, there's this powerful, really kind of dark in, dark imagery here, but there's also um, a really profound hope that you know um, the, the the sun comes up in the morning. You know that, that it's mm-hmm. all going to ultimately be reconciled and be be well. So um, that, that struck yeah. a chord with me anyway. Yeah, and I think one thing, I am going to mention this in the sermon, but there's a piece of it that's actually from Matthew's gospel. So that imagery that Jesus uses, you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. Because this is definitely, it is preparatory, like you said, it's, it's, but it's supposed to be, um, as he's preparing the disciples for what's coming, it's supposed to be comforting and hopeful. That it's going to be chaotic, it's going to be God-awful, but you're going to be all right. You know, that you are going to make it through this. Um, I mean, in this passage, he talks about fleeing, you know, when you see these things happening, take off, you know, don't, <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't keep things. It's not normal. It's not the way it's supposed to be. However, you're going to be carried through. Um, but he uses that imagery of the son of man. And we always think of that as the future. Even Wednesday night, I talked about that in terms of future. And it is that, I mean, that it's okay to think of it that way. But in Daniel's gospel, that image comes from Daniel chapter 7. And in that context, it's the, the people of Israel are being threatened from these outside threats, the beasts, the, the different things. And it's in that context that God gives one like a son of man, all authority in heaven and on earth. And in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28, remember Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go therefore. And so he's taking on that image of Daniel 7, but it's not an image of what's going to happen in the future. It's what's happening right now. So, um, and he says to the chief priests in Mark's, or Matthew's gospel, rather, when he says, are you the Messiah? He says, I am. And you will see the son of, he says, from now on, you will see the son of man coming in the clouds with glory. Not like someday when the end times come, 
from that moment forward, so when Jesus is being crucified, when he's being lashed before he's crucified, when he's carrying the cross to Golgotha, when he's in the tomb, like from that point forward, he's enthroned as king. And so um, that's a present reality. It's also future, which is weird how the New Testament bends these things, but it's right now. So right. Jesus is you know, enthroned in the clouds as we speak. Which is comforting. Yeah. Yes. And it, it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, point of this podcast, obviously, is to, to talk about some practical applications of yeah, some of these, right. these ancient texts. Um, when you read this, what is that? I mean, we talked a little bit about the notion of hope and the notion of um, finding comfort in tough times. Um, what are some of the other things that people can pull from this or what are, what are things people can listen to in your sermon um, that can maybe be applied to their everyday life? Yeah. Um, I think one thing that is, um, and I'm not going to talk about this on Sunday, but patience. I think there's there's definitely patience. And in uh, some of the verses that I'm not going to be reading on Sunday, he actually used the word endurance, which I talked about a little bit on the Wednesday uh, stream. But that is a theme that comes up after Jesus is ascended back into heaven. Um, that's, a, that's a word and a theme that comes up over and over and over again. And particularly in the context of martyrdom and persecution is those who endure, those who hold on to the faith in the, in the midst of all the craziness. And so endurance and patience, that understanding that the world can collapse around you and you are not necessarily going to collapse. And that, that uh, hope stretches beyond life even. And so death itself can't actually cause you to fully collapse because Christ has you covered now and forever and ever. Um, and I think in our present moment, this is a word of comfort and hope that's meant to be shared with other people. And so asking ourselves, how do we do that? And how do we do it patiently? How do I not try to figure out what this is going to look like three weeks from now, right now, and get everything planned and, you know, put up and put together and thrown together? Um, what does it mean to be people who can take a deep breath, show the world how to do that, and how to love people and give comfort and hope um, on social media? God knows we need it there <laughs> where we're going. I mean, I've just had to kind of cut some stuff off. But, uh, but there, in our interactions, it, so, so in a lot of ways, we're, we're kind of redefining that now. How do we show love in a time when we can't give hugs exactly or, or these sorts of things? I think great things are to, we need to be calling folks. Call the people you love. Uh, make connections. And FaceTime them, especially the older folks who are already socially isolated and now even more so, uh, to be able to see faces and hear voices and do, we, we need that human connection. And that's one way because everybody is, it's chaos everywhere. And so how can I keep showing people, you know, look, I love you. I'm, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even as we're making plans for what it, it'll look like if I'm not here. Well, I'm going to give a big shout out to my neighbor, um, Melanie Finlinson. She told my wife this morning that some of our neighborhood kids, um, because they can't play together, really, um, are writing each other letters and drawing pictures and and sending them like literally mailing them letters so that you know they'll open them and it's, they're they're one block pen pals you know it's it's mm -hmm. it's interesting and that got me thinking too um you know what if i what if we got letters um 
out to our shut-ins or our church families, just random little bits of positivity that say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you know, you're being thought of and prayed for. And, and um, we're starting that next week with our officers have all been assigned groups of people in the congregation to do that for. Yeah. Um, and so that's happening. And in my shout out for the week, it was exactly when I needed it. And I and so I'm taking that as a Holy Spirit prompted it. Gregory Klein, um, just good dude. Um, and Gregory calls pretty often. Um, and, and usually it's just to chat, you know, hey, what's going on? But he called the other day and I almost ignored it because I was sending, you know, the email that had to be sent. Um, but I was studying this thing about patience. And so I answered it and he said, oh, I said, Gregory, what do you need? You know, because I'm locked into that. What do you need? What do you need from me? What, what What's demanded of me right probably now? Probably with that tone too, right? Probably <laughs> with that tone too, yeah. What do you need? Um, and he said, oh, I'm just calling to see how you're doing. And... It's amazing how in a time like this, that changes things. And that truly is loving and awesome and profound. Just call and see how you're doing. And I told him. And we had a really great, honest conversation. It was, it was awesome. It was beautiful. I'm reminded of that quote, to be the hope that you wish to see in the world. Yeah. And I think that now is a good time to do that um, when people are, are fearful and, and just there's so much unknown still out there regarding this virus and, and the impact it can have. And um, for those of you who don't know and you're listening, uh, we're broadcasting actually from Albany, Georgia, which is um, per capita, and I feel fairly confident saying this, per capita, probably the highest um, incident rates of COVID-19 in the country. Um, we are um, seeing a, just a, an incredible spike in cases here. Uh, people getting sick, not only of uh, people getting sick, but you know, people having serious complications. Um, our, our local hospital is is rapidly um, finding itself in need of supplies and and, and lack of space, and uh, and it only seems to be getting worse. Uh, and so it's it's really easy right now to fall into a uh, kind of despair. Um, so I think now is the time when the church should theoretically operate the best is when, yeah. you know, this is, this is when, when we're yeah, called to do we always thing. have. And I think uh, we do need to say, cause it's good. Uh, yeah. Being in Albany, Georgia. Um, but to say to anybody who hears us right now, do what the government officials are telling you to do. Um, it truly, it, it, they say flatten the curve. We got to flatten the stinking curve. Um, and so it, the, yeah, there is a tomorrow coming. We don't know when it is. But in the meantime, do what is necessary to protect other people and yourself. Um, because it's, it is as serious as everybody says it is. Um, it's not crazy. It's not an overreaction. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, well, and we were having, a, uh, and I'll, I think it's relevant and germane to the topic. We were having a leadership meeting this morning in my organization. And, uh, and one of the things that came up... Uh, was that you know in these types of scenarios these historic world changing scenarios that uh, you know people have to sacrifice a little bit we're all called to sacrifice a little bit so that we don't have to sacrifice a lot and i think we as a people you know need to remember that a little bit a little bit of discomfort is is better than losing a loved one or or having to you know um worry about food you know because their stores are are completely out of food because you ran in panic bought every single 
can of black beans in the place like I just did at Walmart. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to remember that sometimes, but you know, again, in order to provide hope, sometimes the smallest thing we can do is just follow directions and listen to the advice we've been given. So God put mm-hmm. wisdom on people for a reason. Um, but I want to leave it a little more hopeful than, yes. than that. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what, what's a good parting thought for, for people? Um, my plan is to, to broadcast a sermon after this, so we're going to lead right into the sermon. But um, what's a good parting thought that, that people should know as they, as they read the scripture and they, and they reflect on um, our march towards Easter? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, geez, because the resurrection is going to happen one way or another. I and mean, I think it's um, in some ways, and somebody pointed this out the other day, I think it's brilliant um, because somebody said, gosh, what if we can't meet on Easter? Right? Like, what about, what, what if there's no pastels and we're not meeting and we're not having the big, huge family meal and we're not, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And somebody else responded, you know what? Didn't the first disciples celebrate the first Easter locked behind <laughs> closed doors, uh, locked in because they were terrified? Um, and it wasn't until days or weeks later that they realized what was happening um, and were able to, to meet with the risen Christ. And so in some ways we're experiencing what the first disciples did, this absolute uncertainty, the, the whatever. But what they found out when they were able to, well, Jesus visited them, and he's with us inside the closed doors. But when those doors opened, every promise that Jesus had ever made was fulfilled. Everything, every single thing. There was nothing that Jesus ever said would happen that didn't happen. Uh, No promise he made that wasn't fully delivered on. And so uh, we can absolutely walk with confidence through this time, knowing that Jesus has never failed us and, and isn't going to fail us now. Um, and, and so we're free to love. And I think that is the thing. We're, we're actually free to love one another. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Albany, Georgia. For more information, visit 1stpresalbany.org.